Hi, I'm Michael Cashew. And I'm Adi Cashew, and you're listening to The WAG Podcast. This podcast is about health, wellness, and personal development. Each episode is a short conversation between Adi and I on a single topic with actionable steps. We cover everything from food, mindset, fitness, and relationships. We started WAG because of the way health and fitness changed our lives, so we hope to share a tool or two that helps you along your way. Hey, before we get the show started, we have a quick message for you. Adi and I are doing something brand new called the five-day art of coaching challenge. So if you are wanting to become a nutrition coach or you just want to fast track your progress as a nutrition coach, this is for you. This will help you overcome imposter syndrome. It will help you build skills to enroll and build trust with your clients. And it will help you build confidence in your abilities really, really quickly. Yeah, if you're the kind of coach who just has a bit of fear and something stops you from taking action to actually start coaching people, like you're nervous about if you're not getting people results or making mistakes, or maybe you need feel like you need a bunch more certifications before you need to get to actually start coaching people, this challenge is for you. Because by the end of the five days, you are going to be able to push those fears aside and actually get out there. It starts on January 7th, and you can go to workingagainstgravity.com forward slash art of coaching to sign up. Here's how it works. For five days, you're going to get an email from us with some homework, and then Adi and I are hosting a live webinar at the end of the day that we're going to go over this and give you some uh, some time to really practice these new skills that you're learning. And if you don't have time to make the webinar, then we're going to email you a recording of it. Yeah. And it's going to be really interactive calls. There's going to be opportunities to practice and hone in your art of coaching, which you're going to be learning on in that process. Uh, and we're going to be there to help you and support you and be more hands-on with you. The specific topics that we're covering are one, lacking confidence and overcoming imposter syndrome, two, getting commitment versus motivation with your clients, three, how to help clients build a habit, four, how to build trust with your clients, and five, how to manage your own emotions as a coach. In general, why we're going over the art of coaching is that so many people focus solely on the science and there's so much free information out there. If information alone were all that we needed to be healthy and be fit, then there would be no obesity in the world. And so obviously it's not a knowledge or an information problem. It's the how we get communicate, uh, how we communicate with people and how we get that information across, how we communicate with them in a way that actually gets them to stick to the program that is the art of coaching. And right. that is what we're honing in yeah. this challenge. The art of helping you build trust with your clients so that they can actually follow your advice, that they trust you enough and you've built enough rapport that they know that you're, they can count on you and they know that you're going to be leading them in the right direction. We want to help you be able to communicate in a variety of ways to be able to meet your clients where they are at instead of just, you know, hitting your head against a wall, saying the same thing over and over again. Um, and there are, these are just a couple of the ways that we're going to be helping you in the art of coaching. So we would love for you to join us in this five-day challenge. Go to workingagainstgravity.com forward slash art of coaching. And it starts on January 7th. Yeah, let's get on that new year energy. So today we're talking about 
negotiating roles and responsibilities as new parents, uh, meaning like who changes the diaper and who who takes care of the baby and makes sure that they're getting everything that they need. Alive. Yeah, exactly. Alive. That's the main goal right now. And why would you, why are we having this conversation? Uh, it gives you the feeling that you are being the best parents that you can possibly be, that you're actually working together as a team, that you're enjoying it more, both as a couple and, you know, enjoying your baby. Doing this allows you to actually have a plan rather than just flying by the seat of your pants, which mm -hmm. is totally cool if that's what you want to do and what I think most people do. But it's it's helped us feel a little more in control. Yeah. And it has helped us avoid feeling overwhelmed, feeling stressed out, getting angry and resentful of each other. If there's been like anger and resent, it's it's not this one that's going to last the rest of our lives. There's been some anger and resentment that's popped up and it's something that we've worked through instead of, you know, this stays in our marriage and our relationship forever. And I feel like this might be one of those things that people talk about that if they didn't deal with in their marriage, that like, oh, having kids messed my marriage up. This, I feel like is what? that. What are you saying? Like if they don't, if you don't talk about this, like negotiating roles and responsibilities huh. and there's like resentments that build up over it and that stays and you've never worked through it and it yeah. stays for your whole marriage. I think when people have told us previously like, oh man, like be careful bringing kids into your marriage, it could screw the whole thing up. Mm. I feel like this is one of what we're talking about today is one of those things that can help you avoid that. Right. It's so cliche, but it's just simply like people don't communicate. It's hard shit to do because there's so much conditioning trying to put both of us in, in our appropriate boxes and telling us how we're supposed to uh, behave but in our life, we are, we're taking some direction from some people and then we're just forging our own path. And the only way that we're able to do that is by being in constant communication around this stuff. Yes. And, and I feel like, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, we consume so much information, so many books. We went to courses. You listen to probably a hundred hours of podcasts <laughs> and we didn't hear, I don't think enough about this topic. Right. And I feel like we had conversations with our friends who have kids. And I feel like the reason that it didn't come up is because a lot of people aren't doing it. Like they're just not doing it. And from my experience talking to other mothers, including like my own mother and other mothers in our sphere, they've said they've just taken on the burden of all the responsibility or taken on this like, I need to be this super mom and I need to do it all. And I don't even have the energy to ask my partner for help. So I'm just going to like do it all myself. Mm -hmm. That That is why it's not getting talked about. Oh, there's a new phenomenon where there are more and more like stay-at-home dads that also feel really unfulfilled and really just not taken care of. Mm -hmm. So- this, this goes for any sort of arrangement that you want to have in your relationship. This is a way to get really clear about what works for you. Yeah. So we're mostly going to talk about, we're only going to talk about our experience. So that means whatever it means to you. You can take it, you can leave it. Um, we feel like we really are on the other side of this learning how to negotiate process. And I feel clear. I think we're right in the middle of it. You think we're right in the middle? Right I feel middle. like we're like, 
we're figuring some things out, but we're yeah, right, yeah. No, but I feel evolving. like we're not in like the messiest part that we just were. I feel like we were in a much messier, not sure how we're feeling, kind of like angry, resentful place, mm-hmm. and then now we're like, okay, we're moving in a positive direction. You wouldn't agree? Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. So we had many conversations before Shy was born. And I think that's really important. I was pregnant and Michael and I would sit and we'd talk about, you know, who's going to change the diapers? Who's going to watch the baby at what times? Who's going to wake up in the middle of the night? Who, like, we we went through how m- often are our family going to come and visit? How long are they going to be here? Like, we went through all of the pieces of who's going to be in charge of what mm-hmm. before he got here. Anything else to say on that? No, nope. I had a lot of conversations. Yeah, we. So, and then once Shy was born, we've gone through like several iterations of our different like arrangements or who's responsible for what and when. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that really stuck out in my mind is my buddy Zach told me, "Don't get attached to any rhythm that you have in your family because the baby is going to change their rhythm every 2 weeks and you're going to have to adapt." Mm-hmm. So we went in expecting to have to renegotiate things over and over and over, and that's what we're continuing to do. So the first iteration looked like both of us waking up Pretty much every time Shy would wake up at night, we would both wake up. You would breastfeed him, and then when you were when you were done, when he was done, I would get up, change his diaper, and hand him back to you, and we would both go back to sleep. Or you would you would I would actually go back to sleep. You wouldn't yes. hand him back to me. So I would breastfeed him. You would go change his diaper, and then I knew that you were going to put him back to bed, so I could actually start going to sleep already. This actually did a couple things that I think were really valuable. And just keep in mind, this didn't last very long. It lasted only a couple weeks. And we'll talk about that in a second. It did. It made me feel straight out the gate like Michael was in it with me. I wasn't just waking up multiple times a night by myself. I'm not just taking care of this baby by myself. I'm not the only one whose sleep is suffering. And it really helped me in the beginning feeling like we're a team. And I feel like it helped you too. Big time. Yeah. It made me feel like he was also depending on me, which made me feel more connected to him. It also made me feel good that I was able to show up for you as a husband and I wasn't just like piecing out. I would imagine for you, it was also like you probably could have done it all yourself physically, but how scary to like, or or, or alarming to have to, like all of a sudden you're going from just being in charge of yourself to this baby is in our lives, waking up at all hours of the night, he's screaming and you think he's okay, but you've never done this before and you don't know. It probably just helps to have your partner there with you. And he was in the NICU for a week, so it was nice to know that I'm not the only one that's like, okay, he's okay okay, and he's alive and he's breathing and he's good. (laughs) He's good. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really helpful. And then uh, very quickly we realized that it might be helpful not to change his diaper in the middle of the night because every time we changed his diaper, he would cry and he would wake up and it would be harder to get him to go back to bed. So we decided for overnights, we would use a larger diaper and or a fresh diaper. And then we would not change the diaper at all in the evening unless there was like a clear reason that we needed to. Leakage. So, so that meant that Michael could get sleep without being woken up. And this is one of the highlights of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a conversation about that. This wasn't like 
Michael was just like, oh, yes, this means that I'm going to have a good night's rest. He waited and talked with me and communicated with me. I made it clear that it was okay that he could have earplugs in and an eye mask and he could get a full night's of rest without worrying about the baby during the night. Mm. And I I think the conversation was around like it doesn't make sense for two people to have really crappy sleep. Why don't I get as much sleep as I can so that when I'm awake, I can support you in as many ways as possible. Mm-hmm. And the the way that I did that in the first several weeks and continue to do to a certain extent is I started picking up slack and picking up tasks that usually I wasn't responsible for. I started to cook more. I started to clean more. Um, I also started to s- sort of take on like watching out for you. Like when I would see you really needed to work out, I would make sure that like, I would encourage you to go and do that or take him from you sometimes so that you had space to do that. Or I took him so that you could go and get your nails done. And if I also had really crappy sleep, I may not have had the space to really be present and like looking out for you in that way or like picking up those extra tasks. So it worked for us. Yeah. And this also, this going through the night too also coincided a little bit with you going back to work mm-hmm. and I wasn't going back to work. Right. So there was this need for for that to take place as well. And that it really was a an actual sit down conversation of it actually makes sucks for both of us for him to wake up, get his diaper changed and start screaming. We don't want that. So that changed. And then when that changed, it didn't mean that like Michael was off the hook and he doesn't have to take care of the baby. So that created like this first negotiation. And the first negotiation was that he's not going to wake up in the night with me, but Michael instead is going to take the baby from six o'clock to nine o'clock in the morning every single day. He's going to take the baby out of the bedroom so that I can sleep because I have a really hard time getting any level of deep sleep if I can hear him breathing Mm -hmm. or even if I know he's in the room and I know I'm responsible for him, I just can't sleep the same. So Michael would really honestly go downstairs and go back to sleep with the baby downstairs and six to nine. Occasionally. Occasionally. Sometimes he wouldn't go back to bed. Um, six to nine o'clock in the morning every day. And then also on Thursdays, I hung out with my girlfriends. So Thursday nights, Michael would hang out with the baby entirely. So it would start around four to five o'clock. And for the rest of the night, Michael was in charge. So I can go and do whatever it is that I needed. And then after a couple months of that, he started to like now he just sleeps through until about 8 Mm a.m. So now it doesn't really make sense for me to take him in the mornings. So instead, I'm picking up like where I'm fully responsible for him an extra night a week. And we're also doing this thing where I'm solely responsible for him all day Sundays. Yes. One thing that we that you didn't mention, and we'll cover that third that like next negotiation where like things changed and. And therefore, the the 6 to 9 a.m. was working. But then when Shai was sleeping through the night, it didn't make sense for you to wake him up to take him out. So it just didn't make sense anymore. That's why we had to negotiate again. Another thing to add on top of what you just talked about is that we, we don't, we're not perfect about this. But when someone else is responsible for the baby, we want when the other person is done what they're doing. So let's say Michael's working all day. I'm responsible for the baby for that day. When Michael's done working, for the first 30 minutes when he's done working, he takes the baby. We don't like... He doesn't just come and hang out with both of us. He takes the baby, is fully responsible for the baby for the next 30 minutes. And I can just get a break to be like, okay, I'm free for 30 minutes. I can like transition from 
being 100% responsible to the next phase of the day or the evening. Mm -hmm. And that can go in both directions if you're responsible and then I switch off. So but, we're going to talk about a bunch of lessons we learned. I want to wait. I want to talk a little bit about first this of, whole one of them relates to what you just said. Well, not the one that I just said. I want to talk about the 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 last thing that we switched to was the the you take him on an extra night. So it's Monday and Thursday nights. And then you take him for a full day. You talking about the full day relates to one of the lessons that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Well, the full day thing was it was there something that I thought was like an, a huge aha. Our friend Adelaide, Casey and Adelaide, they just had a baby around the exact same time. And we were talking about the division of responsibilities. And she mentioned that they were doing something super similar to us with the mornings and the, a couple nights. And then she also mentioned that one entire day of the weekend, either Saturday or Sunday, they rotated who was the primary parent. And I was like, man, that is like such a great idea for so many reasons. And I don't think in any of the lessons is any of your reason, the, like any of the reasons. But one thing that it really did is so... This is basically that on Sundays, Michael is 100% responsible for a shy from morning until night. And that means that I'm still breastfeeding, but But Michael, I breastfeed him too now. No, Michael just needs to know when shy has to breastfeed. And if he needs to feed, he'll come find me, make sure that I'm there. He gets fed and then I give the baby back to him. Um, you're with him. You put him down for naps. You're with him and playing with him. Or you give him a bottle if you want to go and do something. If you want to go and do something, you got to take him with you. And what I think this has really helped twofold, and then you can talk about your perspective on it. One being, you now have a much better picture of what it's like every other day for me during the week. When Because most days, that's the only full day that you're responsible for him. So it just can give you this perspective of what that's like. And I feel like that's really, really beneficial to help with empathy and to avoid like for you to just get that feeling. Um, and then it also gives what I've seen is you confidence in knowing where you can help out. Mm -hmm. So I think a common annoyance that I hear from moms is he, my husband comes to me and he asks me, how can I help? And the mom is like, I don't want to have to tell you how to help. I want you to just help. I want you to just do like, I'm not, nobody's telling me how to help the baby. I want you to know how to help. And I think it's really hard for dads when they don't get that experience of having to be responsible for the baby all day. And I think doing that all day, you now know the things that he needs and that you can notice and tell in his body language of where he might be at in his like daily cycle. Yeah. And it makes me feel more connected to him. A lot of dads struggle with feeling connected to their babies, especially when they're first born. And I'm not excluded from that. I definitely feel less connected to him than you, I think, but this helps me feel much more connected to him. And, you know, he doesn't do a ton right now. I'm bored <laughs> a lot and that's okay. Like these Sundays I know are going to be some of the brightest spot in our relationship when he's like starting to run around and we're having conversations and I'm so excited to like lay the groundwork for that's just what we do on Sundays. Yeah. And like, God forbid we got into some type of an emergency. You are now fully prepared on what it takes to take care of him. Mm -hmm. And if I had to go do something or something happened to me, you're, you're good to go. Yep. Cool. Let's go. So we're going to talk about some lessons learned. Uh, so Michael, you go first. Okay, number one is Adi and I in business and in our relationship where we usually get really specific about who does what and when. Like we get very clear about our roles and responsibilities. And we did that with when we had Shy. 
And one mistake that I think I made, not, not, no, one mistake I did make was trying to stick too rigidly to those set expectations. So if once we decided that I was no longer responsible for him in the morning, one morning, and I'm not proud of this at all, I got up, he was starting to get fussy and I went to check on him in his in his crib and he was continuing to be fussy. And because I was, we had agreed that I wasn't responsible, I just left him in there knowing that a D would just go like right after me and like start taking care of him. And what I learned through, you know, a couple fights <laughs> is that <laughs> it's like, I was, I was trying to be like a part-time dad. Like I was trying to be a dad only when uh, we had agreed that I was solely responsible or like the primary caregiver. Mm -hmm. And Adi really called me forth to be a dad full-time and just look for ways that I could be helpful all the time. So I could have considered in that instance that Adi had been up with him all night. She had woken up several times to feed him and console him. And I was the one standing at his crib right there. I could have just spent a couple extra minutes like rocking him back to sleep or just doing something rather than just immediately going downstairs and doing my thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's not, it's just like being like having a plan and, and having expectations, but also being flexible and present and like looking for ways to be helpful. Right. I feel like what you just said is the exact thing is you're a dad all of the time. And there's certain times where we've set expectations where it's 100% your responsibility to be with him. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful that we can have conversations and work through moments like that. <laughs> the next one, uh, talk about your freedom and space. Because I feel like as a dad, it's a different transition than, than a mom. And we're also right now only talking about the heteronormative relationships. I feel like there's always a pregnant person and a non-pregnant person. So that could be in, in a lesbian relationship. There's going to be one woman that was pregnant or maybe they used a surrogate and that would be a different situation altogether. Um, if it was gay men having bringing a child. Talk about all the different yeah, options. Yeah, we're not talking about different <laughs> options. We're just talking about a male and a female who are uh, married and one person was pregnant and one person wasn't. And this in this case, it's the dad. This, yeah, like again, <laughs> it works for any any combo. Yes. So I think it's hard for the person who wasn't pregnant because I started transitioning to losing my space and freedom right when I got pregnant. I had to change the way that I move my body and change the things that I eat and change all those things. Your life didn't really change until he got here. And then all of a sudden it's this much bigger transition. So, mm. so it's really harder for me. No, no. But I think that there was some resistance right when that happened. Yeah, and continues to be sometimes. So uh, I have felt a resistance to giving up freedom and space at every stage. Like anytime we have to like renegotiate the, the expectations. And for instance, when I first had to give up my mornings, I resisted the hell out of it because for years I have so loved waking up and just having that 90 minutes to myself to really nourish myself. And I just did not want to give that up. And what I've learned is a, in a lot of instances, A, I can consider that everything is a phase and it's not mm -hmm. permanent. The second thing is that this 
time of his life is something I will never get back. And instead of resisting giving up this space that I've had for so long, why don't I just appreciate the time I get to spend with my son? And the third thing is that, yeah, I feel like you're not actually asking in our relationship, you're not actually asking for that much more of my time. You're asking for like a quality of my attention. Mm -hmm. You're, you're really just, you want when I'm around for me to be fully present, not distracted, not thinking about work when I'm around, like I'm fully here with you and the baby and I'm looking for ways to be helpful and I'm truly a co-parent. Yeah. And I appreciate that. I love this conversation, guys. <laughs> I'll say I'll say a couple more things that I've learned, and then you can talk about yours. Okay, about cool. That. Yes, that would be perfect. Number number one, I've got a lot of numbers. Yeah, the first thing is that I I'm trying to have the mindset that you're always putting out more energy taking care of him than whatever it is I'm doing. And so the example I was going to tie this to earlier was the. Whoever's in charge spends 30 minutes with Shy when they get back. Mm -hmm. I think I can speak from my own experience, but I think a lot of men fall into this like thought thinking error. Like when we first, when I first went back to work, I had this thought like, man, I just worked eight or nine hours. You like spent a bunch of time with him, but you're kind of just laid around. Like, <laughs> we're both like, I wasn't totally writing off what you were doing, but I was like, I worked hard too. Like, I just want to chill right now. But then I started taking care of him more, especially for like longer periods of time. And I'm like, holy shit, this is so draining. It's amazing. <laughs> and it's so draining. And, and you're not breastfeeding. And I'm not breastfeeding. And so I just started to think like, no matter how hard I'm working on my computer, she's working harder. And if I, if I come at our relationship and my life like that, I show up as a better father. I show up as a be better husband and I feel prouder of myself. You feel more connected to me. It's just a win-win. So I just assume that you're putting out more energy and that works. Yeah. I don't know that uh, working harder is the right terms for it. I think putting out more energy could be right. Like yeah. the, it's different. Your work can be energizing in a lot of ways. And there's many moments in your day, you're just like free from the responsibility mm -hmm. of a physical being. Um, and I think he, I'm also breastfeeding. So he's literally sucking energy out of me. Right. So I, I don't think I'm working harder than you, but I think it's different type of work and you having that full day really helped you see, oh, geez, like I am underestimating. Right. what that job actually is. And I totally. feel like honestly, society underestimates what the job actually is. I really do believe that. It's just, it's like, oh, you have to take care of a baby all day. It's like not, it's, it's just try it for a day. Just <laughs> yeah. try it for a day. Have a friend who has a baby, like spend a day with them. I don't want to get on a soapbox and like say it's super, super hard. It's not, it's, I've never been happier in my whole life. I swear it. And it's not as challenging as I thought it was going to be. And also it's just, takes a lot of energy and you have to be on all the time because you don't want him to die. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that, that a, plus. <laughs> a couple other things I've learned is that it's okay to ask for help. So in moments that I would be solely responsible, especially for longer periods of time, I felt guilty asking a D for help because I thought, you know, she gets up every night, all night, and she spends entire days with him, and she almost never asked me for help. And 
I would come in for a few hours and I'm feeling a little overwhelmed, partly because of what you know happened in my day before, partly because I don't have the skills built to take care of him myself yet. Mm-hmm. And that was, yeah, that was overwhelming at times. And I learned that it's totally okay to ask you for help. And you're, we're, we're in this together. We're in this as a team. And it's not like when I'm taking care of him, it's, it's messed up to ask you for help. Mm-hmm, totally. And I think on the other side of that, I learned that I can ask for help. So I have always valued, not always, I speak in hi- hyperbole sometimes, uh, all the, most of the time. <laughs> I was about to speak in hyperbole about my speaking in hyperbole. Um, most of the time I assess my value based on how much I can do. Like how much can I get done? Can I take care of Shy? Can I still cook? Can I still bake all the things? Can I make three loaves of bread a week? Can I work out? Can I meditate? Can I do all these things and do work at the same time? Then I had to realize that I just cannot. And it's okay for me to ask Michael for help and speak up when I need things to be renegotiated. Uh, I realized that I needed to take the lead in this negotiating process because you weren't going to notice as much when things changed or it's taking you time to notice that. There there was like an instant this week where Michael noticed that we had spent a weekend in New Orleans and we stayed up really late and we had a couple nights away from the baby and we got to like have fun and be parents on the loose and I didn't get my normal full nights of sleep afterwards. I norm and so I was really really tired after and Michael was like, "Hey, I'm going to take the night shift. And not only am I going to take the night shift, but I'm going to take the night shift in another room so that you don't get triggered by hearing the baby cry first and I didn't go fast enough or I didn't do it the right way or like honestly if he would have done it while we were sleeping in the same room I would have been watching the baby monitor while he was while he was taking care of the baby to see like what's up like what are you guys doing in there best move you've ever made um and so you're learning how to like negotiate with for us um but i had to take the lead at the beginning and i it's okay for me to ask for help and it doesn't make me less valuable as a person in our relationship i want to actually tell you one that i got from libby that i haven't even told you about yet okay so our friend elizabeth told me the other day that she heard from one of her mentors that i've already that i think that's why i might have offered to take him she said that new moms, the thing that they find the sexiest is when their husband like is an amazing father and like really shows up for the family, which is a little bit different than it used to be. And having an amazing sex life and like being sexy to you is so important to me. Once she told me that, I was like, holy shit. I'm just going to be looking for ways to do this all all the time. Maybe that's what's been different the past couple <laughs> days. Jeez, I thought it was just a good night's rest. But um, I that is true. I'm going to keep that there. That is totally true. And it's not like a you versus me thing. There's, there's a baby here. Like he loses if we're at war with each other mm. every single time, no matter what, if we're picking and choosing and keeping score of who did more and how much and it's just he's the one who loses, and that is not what we want. Um, he's our absolute number one priority, no matter what. So, yeah. So the I learned to ask for help was a really huge lesson. Um, another lesson for me was that my natural instincts is to get angry when you do something that I don't like. 
like angry in terms of volume. I want to scream. I want to be spiteful. I want to say mean things. I want to hurt you because you've hurt me. That's like my natural instinct. And in this case, I, in every case, not just this case, in every case, I've learned that being calm works better. Being calm and speaking from my experience and speaking about how things make me feel, it helps me be understood. And it also, it helps you not just get angry back at me. If I would come to you and I'd be just pissed about the way that you handled something, you would just be mad that I was mad. Mm -hmm. And then we would get nowhere. When I come to you and I'm like, hey, this like just really wasn't cool. And I point out like why it just wasn't cool and how it made me feel. Every single time you've been like, you're totally right. I see that. Like there's been moments where you, you're silent for a minute and you're just tense mm -hmm. and you're, you're just like don't want to accept it. But there's nothing you can't be mad at me. Mm -hmm. So you have to accept it. Yeah, and I want to I want to throw out even a further distinction. A couple times you've said makes you feel, but the times when you're most successful is when you just talk about how you feel. Mm -hmm. It's not like I made you feel this way. You're just like I feel sad or I feel alone as a parent right mm -hmm. now, like something like that. I'm like shit. Yeah, you're right. Like I really see the impact. You're not. I don't get the feeling like you're trying to manipulate me I'll or make, wrong. make me wrong, and I immediately want to show up better. But I want to make you wrong in those in those <laughs> scenarios. I really, really do. And for all the moms out there that are just so pissed about this, I get it. I want to make you wrong. And I want to yell at you and I want to get angry at you because in the moment it'll feel good. But it just doesn't get me the results that I'm looking for. And another thing on top of that, of the lesson that I learned, is that I had to understand that sometimes I had to ask you three or four times. I had to like remind you about this. I had to point it out again. And you're learning this skill too. And I kept bringing myself back to your life changed dramatically over one night. And mine, it, I had nine months to get ready for this to happen. And I thought about it more than you. And it really overtook my life a lot more than you and my body. Um, and I have like the pieces of my brain that have grown specifically to take care of him. So uh, I've had a lot more compassion for you in that and it's helped me. And it's been, I don't like that I have to say things three or four times, but I've been like, okay, it's fine. You're also learning. And it's really honestly helped get the result I want sooner. I think if I just got angry and mad and bitter, I would have been like, screw it. I could just do it myself. Or we would just keep being in that same loop. That was, those are like the biggest lessons that that I've learned. And mm -hmm. I feel like we're still going to continue renegotiating. I mean, just the fact that we're learning how to do this has helped both of us show up for each other better. I ask for help in a way that you can actually hear it. I talk about my feelings in a way that you acknowledge me and you understand the challenges that I'm going through versus like being having a draining day at work. It's just mm -hmm. different. And you're like finding ways that to be helpful. Mm -hmm. And if there's dads out there listening to this, pick up the baby and change his diaper. He probably always needs to be diaper <laughs> changed. He probably always needs to be held. He probably always wants your attention. Just do that <laughs> without being asked. So, okay, let's let's talk about how to go about doing this setting of boundaries. Uh, one of the most important things is just to make it a ritual to ask yourself and your partner questions like, how are you doing? Like, how are you really doing right now? Is there anything that I can be doing to show up better as a partner? Um, we've talked, uh, we, we have a whole podcast on some of our relationship rituals that we've done in the past. Doing something every week 
once a week where you just have an hour where you have a safe place to talk about these things can keep any of the big things from becoming big things. You just talk about them while they're in their infancy. And if you don't have kids yet, getting into the habit of doing this ahead of time oh, yes. is really important. I also think that, so there's one is checking in with each other. Two is give each other more grace than ever. Like when I talk about that, I have to tell Michael things three or four times sometimes, I'm giving him grace. Like this is so new. This is such a huge transition in our life. Everything has completely shifted. It's just so different from what it was before that we need to give each other more grace every single day. If we screw up, if we say something wrong, we can't hold on to it. We just have to move on and love each other through it. And a, and a way to do that in your, like you can't give someone grace outwardly if you're not doing it in your head. I think a good way to do that in terms of like mental gymnastics is just remember like you yourself are you're getting less sleep, you're more stressed than you've been in a while, you want your partner to be giving that to you, you gotta give it first to receive it. Mm-hmm, totally. Um, and give it uh, to yourself too. Another one, yeah, that's a great one. Another one is actually make a plan together. And you don't have to write it down. We did, we did an exercise where we wrote down like, yeah, an exact plan. You can just Google like roles and responsibilities as new parents, I'm sure something will come up. But just have a plan rather than just kind of flying by the seat of your pants. And also keep in mind that uh, like don't don't stick too rigidly to the plan because things change on a day-by-day basis, an hourly basis. And sometimes your partner just needs you to like help them out. Like they can't do the plan in that moment. Yeah, you are an engaged parent all the time, not just when it's your scheduled time to be responsible. And then Something that we are both so grateful for that we are in health and fitness and that's been our profession for a really long time. We've both been doing that for half of our life and it's making time for yourself. That means taking care of yourself mentally, physically, emotionally. Uh, Michael has a group of men that he gets together with every single week and he's been doing that since Shai was born. Every single week he hangs out with his guy friends. Every single week I hang out with my girlfriends. Um, We work out, we eat well. We have those habits ingrained from ahead of time and having that has been our saving grace because even amidst all of this change and less sleep and all of these things, uh, we can still lean on our habits that we've we've built to be consistent with those things that help us be better in every capacity. Mm -hmm. If you are in it, in the thick of it right now, and you don't have those habits, pick one small way that you can show that you're taking care of yourself. Just something really small. Get someone to meal prep for you. Go for a walk every day. Um, Meditate for two minutes. I don't know. Anything that's going to take a shower. Anything that's going to just make you feel like feel you like you're taking shower. take it to feel like you're taking care of yourself. Whatever that is, you need really to shower. Important. By the way, you smelled very sweaty earlier. Stop. <laughs> okay. Next is also make time for each other. So I don't know how soon we did it probably two or three week mark, we started having our date night again. And at first, Shy was invited. And at some point, maybe two months in, we started to get a babysitter occasionally. I don't want anyone to feel like we're pressuring you to do this before you're comfortable. But as soon as you are comfortable, really make time for your relationship again. And you're both going to be so much happier and in love because of it. And what has helped me get ready for it sooner is I think about my parents. And if my parents now, if they would have said, hey, when I was a baby, 
would you have been cool with me taking a date night once a week away from you and giving you to someone who's going to love you and give you attention and take care of you and keep you safe? I would have been like, heck yeah, prioritize your relationship. But I wasn't able to tell them to do that. And I think when Shy grows up and he hears that we did that or he if he heard that we didn't, he would have been like, I never asked you not to have date night. Um, and I keep reminding myself that like he also wants us to prioritize our relationship for sure. And then lastly, don't just wait to be asked to help for both partners. Just get in there and help. If you have extra space, if you're feeling more energetic or you have extra time, just try to be helpful at every single chance that you can. And don't only do it when you feel like you have extra space and extra time because there, that space and time might true. not be there. This is true. So you have to be helpful anyways. Yes. And that's just what this is about. Boom. I hope that was helpful, guys. All right. Were you going to say something else? No, I wasn't. I was trying to look for some something profound to close, close, with. close with. Well, having babies is awesome. Just because this is challenging doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. If you're interested in having kids, it's not all the terrible things that some people say that it is. It's amazing. And um, this can really help you make that easier for you. I hope. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Stay in touch by signing up for our newsletter at workingagainstgravity.com or on Instagram at workingagainstgravity. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and refer a friend. We'll be back next week with another episode. Talk to you then.